and read it and study it and get ready for the message. And that helps me. I feed off of that because the more amens I get, the better it feels. So just join in any time. And if you didn't study it, it's okay to say amen anyhow. William, gotcha. All right. All right. Well, let's look at some, some scripture. This is important. All right. So we're going to talk this morning about God's will. You know, we always pray we want to be in God's will. We want God's will to be done in our lives. Well, I mean, do you know what God's will is? That's where we're going to, we're going to look at some things about God's will. We're going to look at Jeremiah and see some things about his. God desires to have a relationship with his people. Man, we have talked about that. We've said it a thousand times. We want to grow in our relationship with the Father. God desires to have a relationship with us. That's no question about that. We know that and we strive for that. As believers, we should strive to have a relationship with God. We should strive to be closer to him. We should strive to know him better. We want to know him better. We know that the fact that the only way to get to know somebody better is to do what? How do you get to know somebody better? You spend time with them. You invest in them. You study them, right? You peel back the layers of them. You look at them. You study them. You spend time with them. In order for any relationship to grow, we have to invest in the relationship. We have to spend time in the relationship, and we have to nurture it. We have to care for it. We have to make sure that it's going the way we want it to go. The Bible says, and this is something that's so important. When I'm studying this, I'm thinking, boy, this is really stands out. The Bible said that God chooses to have a relationship with us. It wasn't a forced issue. It wasn't something he had to do. It wasn't something that was on the agenda. The Bible says God chooses to have a relationship with us. He chooses us to be his people. He chooses to walk with us. He chooses us to strengthen us. He chooses us to provide comfort when we need it. All these things that God chooses to do, he chooses to have a relationship with us. Now think about this. Even before we were born, God knew the plans that he had for each of our lives. So what the Bible tells us, before we were born, before we were conceived, before we were inside the mother's womb, God knew us. God had a plan for us. He knew what was going to take place. Every single one of us have a plan for our life. When God reveals his will for our lives, we've got three choices. When God reveals his will for our lives, and you may be saying, well, I don't know what it is yet. But when God reveals his will for our lives, we have three choices. First, we can either hesitate. Second, we can be resistant. Or third, we can be acceptive to what he wants to do in our lives and we can respond to him the way he wants us to respond. So think about it. You got three choices. Three, it's always the numbers of three. You know, we got three things to do, right? You can either hesitate. You can ponder over it. You can think about it. Well, God, why did you want me to do this? You can question God. Over all things you can do, you can hesitate. You can be resistant to it. You say, no way I'm going to do that. That's not in my plan. That's not something that I want to do. Or you can be receptive to what God wants you to do, and you can follow along with his will for your life. These are the three choices. These are things we're going to look at this morning, things that I want you to, to reflect on. I want you to look at very hard at this morning. Right now, you're probably saying, well, Brother Kerry, why would anybody not want to do their will that God has for their life? You think about it. Why would anybody not want to do when God lays his will on somebody's life, when he shares with you what he wants you to do, how he wants you to respond, where he wants you to go? Why would anybody not want to do that, right? He's the creator of the universe. We think about it, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult. There's things that we, we might say, there's a pretty big obstacle that he's placing in front of me. How do I get through that? Sometimes we don't completely understand 
what God wants us to do. He's not the author of confusion. Satan is. But sometimes we don't understand what it is he wants us to do. And we have a difficult time with that, relating to that. Sometimes human instinct tries to change our minds. Man, that's not natural. That's not normal. You know, there's going to be some problems with that. That's human instinct would want us to change our minds. Sometimes Satan tries to convince us that's not really what you want to do. Man, Satan will come before you in a lot of different forms. You don't always see him. You don't always know what he looks like. He don't always look like the devil. He looks different a lot of times. Sometimes he tries to convince you that, that you might have some other issues, that there might be an easier path for you to follow. Satan might place distractions in your lives. Y'all have any distractions in your lives? Man, some distractions this morning, just getting up, you know, getting going. Didn't we, Patty? We had distractions getting out the door. It's, it's first Sunday breakfast. Are we going to make it on time? Man, that's a, that hour drive over here for us is difficult. We, we try our best to get here. And then I get here and Terry says, man, I was worried about you. Thought I was going to have to preach today. Yeah. How are we going? As hard as we can go. But there's distractions and Satan puts those distractions there. I'm not saying that Satan put a bunch of distractions in our lives. But let me tell you something. If he could have caused us to stumble this morning, if he could have caused some distraction in mine and Patty's life this morning, made us be a little bit bitter toward each other, he would have been happier. Amen. He does that. That's what he does. Sometimes it's difficult to know that it isn't Satan that's causing distraction. Sometimes he is. Sometimes it's just life that we have to deal with because we have some struggles in our life. We have things that we have to deal with. The Bible is clear that God only wants the best for his creation. And the Bible's clear. God only wants the best for your life. He only wants the best for you. He doesn't will anything that's not good for your life. He only wants the best for you. It's how we respond to the things that he wants us to do. When we read in the Bible what prophets went through in fulfilling the will of God, I mean, you look at it, and <clears throat> we look at a bunch of prophets, and we're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah this morning. But when you read in the Bible what prophets had to go through in fulfilling the will of God in their lives, you quickly understand that being a prophet was not an easy job. Man, it was not an easy task to be a prophet in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus ended all of that when he came in the New Testament, but there's prophets in the Old Testament all the way up through the Old Testament, and it wasn't an easy job. It was a hard task. You think about it. Jonah turned 180 degrees away from God wanted him to do because it was facing a difficult situation. Jonah knew God. God talked to Jonah, but when God told Jonah to do a specific task, what did he do? Mm-mm. Not me, buddy. That one's a little bit more difficult. I can't do that. That was his phrase. I can't do that. So he boarded the ship and headed out a different direction than what God wanted him to do. It's a very difficult task. You would think because a prophet got to speak directly to God on a regular basis, you would think that the things that they would do would be easy. You'd think because I'm hooked up with God, there's got to be an easy task. But God put some pretty difficult task on the prophets. And we're going to look at that this morning. All right. It's not always the case that it was easy. The role of prophet of God was often very challenging. And this morning, we're going to look at the prophet Jeremiah's response to God's will for his life. When God called him, when God laid his will on his life, how did Jeremiah respond? And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. We want to pay careful attention to what God said to Jeremiah. We want to look at every, every aspect of what God said for about him to him, and then we want to look at how Jeremiah responded, and then it goes even further. We want to look at how God provided support and reassurance for Jeremiah when he was going to fulfill the mission that he wanted to do. That's what we want to do. If you are able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning? Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4, says this, the word of the Lord came to me, 
I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested, oh no, Lord God. Look, I, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross. And God, allow me to decrease and you increase. And God, allow me to deliver your message to your people this morning. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Our passage of scripture this morning, we read that God gave some pretty specific instructions. He gave some precip- You getting sprayed from the front, Roy? No, not yet. Ah, you might want to move down just a little bit. You got it. Myron got it. It went past you because it had so much power behind it. Do you think about it? God gave some instructions of service. And that's what we think about it. It, it, Some of his servants, he reached out to one in particular. And we're talking about Jeremiah this morning. He gave him some, some instructions to one of his chosen servants, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a chosen servant of the Lord. And God gave him some instructions in this passage of scripture who in turn, we look at Jeremiah, in turn tried to give the creator of the universe an excuse for why he should not be chosen. God chose him, and Jeremiah backs out and says, Nah, I don't think you should have chose me. You ever done that before? Y'all think about your own life. When you think about it, God lays something on your heart. But God, maybe there's somebody better that can do it. But God, being who he is, provided specific reasons to why Jeremiah should serve and how he would serve, why he should serve, how he would serve, how he's going to get this thing done. And I'm gonna, just, this is going, you know, every passage of Scripture, we look at God's Word, we open it up. But it's an all about an application issue. How do we take this application? How do we take this scripture and apply it to our lives? Because the scripture was breathed on at a particular time in history. It's a breathed on people who took it to their heart, uh, people who used it. But this word is for us today. And that's what we're going to relate it to back to what we're doing today. But God did, he breathed on, he chose Jeremiah. God who he is, chose him, told him how he was going to serve, told him what he would do and how he would get it done. Before Jeremiah was even born, God had a plan for his life. Before he was even born, God knew Jeremiah was going to be one of his prophets. Before he was born, he knew he had a plan and a purpose for his life. The creator of the universe says this, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I have set you apart for my service. That is amazing. That is a miracle in itself. I've set you apart to do my work. Pay attention to this. You are going to be a tool that I'm going to use for my mission, for my purpose, but it's still my work. That's where we got to understand the fact is, is God wasn't calling Jeremiah to do Jeremiah's work. He wasn't calling Jeremiah to do a specific task for himself. This was Christ Jesus, God the Father's work. And so what it takes care of, he makes it clear that this is my mission. It's the same thing with us, church. 
I mean, what God charges this church to do is not our mission. It's not Pine Hill's mission to reach the nation. It's God's mission to reach the nations through Pine Hill Church. That's what he's charged us to do. Pay attention to what God is telling Jeremiah. This is something you will do for me. It's my work and not yours. And that's where we got to keep the focus. When you think about it, when you're resistant to what God wants you to do, think about it. It's not your work that God wants you to do. He's not asking you to, to go to work at your job and, and to do what you do. That's not what he's asking you to do. You do that as a ministry tool. You do that to make sure you provide your family. But when God lays it on your heart, what he wants you to do, it's his work that he wants you to do. There's a completely difference in that. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 is just as relevant today as it was the day God breathed it on Jeremiah. It's just as relevant today as it was the day it was breathed on. God is the creator of life, and no baby is a mistake. You know where I stand on that. God is the creator of life, and no babies is a mistake. There may be some babies that are not planned. They may be not unplanned pregnancies, but God is the one who creates that life, and there is no mistake, all right? It was certainly clear on that. God has a purpose and a plan for every single life that he creates. Isn't it good to know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it good to know that, that Roy's plan is different than my plan and Patty's plan or, or Tyler's plan, but God has a specific plan for your life? I mean, he has a purpose for your life. Now, he has a mission. His mission he wants you to fulfill. We're to go to the nations. We're to make disciples. We're to preach. We're to teach. We're to baptize. Amen? But he's got a plan and a purpose for your life individually. He knew you before you were born. He's got a plan for your life. God has a purpose and a plan for Pine Hill Baptist Church. And that's what excites me. You know, that's what, one of the things that excites me. I made the comment recently, in a, in a couple weeks ago, and I remember who I made it to. I said, 2023 is going to be a good year for Pine Hill. Who did I say that to? Anybody remember? Whole church. Well, that's a good thing then. All right, you're listening to me. So 2023 is going to be a good year. It's because God has a plan and a purpose for Pine Hill Baptist Church. And as long as he is leading the church, it's going to be a good year. We're going to have some struggle. We're going to have some difficulty. We had difficulty last year. I'm telling you, there'll be difficulty this year, and there'll be struggle. There'll be sadness. But God has a plan and a purpose for this church, and it's going to be a good year. For 2023, it's going to be a good year for God and his church here. You may not know what the plan is. You may not know what God's plan is for your life. You may not know what he's got on, on, on uh, planned for you, or you may have a hard time just figuring it out. Man, you may say, how do I figure it out? How do I know? God doesn't speak to me like he speaks to you, Brother Kerry. I mean, maybe he talks to you. Well, let me tell you, get into his word, study his word, pray he'll speak to you. Amen? I mean, when you open up that Bible and you start studying, you start reading, and you start understanding things and, and, and things that you don't understand, you're journaling, you're writing things down, you're sharing them with other people, and other people are giving you their insight on it, that's when God's speaking to you. I mean, he's speaking to us. We speak to him through prayer, but he speaks to us through the word. Look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. <clears throat> Here you go. Listen up. Plans for your well-being. I told you, God doesn't plan. He wants only the best for you. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a, church, a hope. Now listen up, church. There's a question involved in here. There's something we want to think about. <clears throat> How do we respond when God reveals his purpose and his plan for our lives? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how Jeremiah responds, but how do we respond? You know, you can, you can hesitate. You know, you think about it. I'm thinking about, you know, my life. I'm thinking about my time when God laid it on my heart to move into ministry, to step out of medicine, to step into ministry. You know, I, I was somewhat successful in, in a medical career. Amen? 
somewhat successful. I try to use that word you know, freely. But, but the thing is, I felt God gave me a gift. I enjoyed what I did. You know, uh, Miss Ellen, I got to staple a lot of scalps back together in my time in the emergency room. I got to put them in and take them out. I mean, I did a lot of, a lot of things, that, that, and nobody in my family could talk, would talk to me about it because they didn't want to hear about it. You know, I had to keep all that in. I could talk to certain people about it, but I, I felt, you know, when God laid it on my heart to, to step out of that role and step into a different role, it's like, you know, what, I could have said, whoa, Lord, wait a minute. I think I'm going to work two or three more years. I got to build up that nest egg, right? got to do some things but when god lays it on your heart man if you're going to respond you got three choices you can be resistant you can hesitate or you can be receptive to what he wants you to do and i want you each of you to think about that when god lays it on your heart when he wants you to step out when he wants you to do mission work when he wants you to reach somebody in your own circle that doesn't know the lord when he wants you to be bold in it those are the things that he's calling us to do when Jeremiah received the call to be a prophet, he immediately said, what? I can't speak for you. And I've got some weaknesses in my life. I can't speak for you. Lord, I'm too young. Now, just think about it now. Studying Jeremiah, anybody know how old he was when God called him? Well, he says, it says youth, right? So you know he's young, so he had to be younger than me. So what do you think? So 18, 19, 20, that's what the studies show, that basically he was in his either late teens or early 20s when God calls him. But he says, I'm youth, I'm young, I've got some imperfections that I'm sure will prevent me from carrying out what you want me to do. I've got some things that are going to slow me down. Surely there's somebody who is better choice for me than this. Let's look at this. This is the same thing that Moses said when God called him in Exodus 4.10. Exodus 4.10 says this, But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And Moses said, Man, I can't speak for you, God. You call me. Let's think about this. Moses wasn't young, okay? There's a big difference between Jeremiah and Moses in age. But Moses said the same thing. I can't speak for you because I'm sluggish in, in speech. I stutter. Man, I can't talk for you. You think about this. All right, God steps in this room and he says, I want you to speak for me. And he said, well, I can't do it, God, because I have an imperfection. I mean, you created me. You ought to know what my imperfection is. But we're talking about God the Father. I mean, you think about it. If he says, Myron, I want you to speak for me, what are you going to do, Myron? Whatever he tells you to say, right? Amen. Huh? I have a time speaking to you when I first joined the church, but I'm overcome. Amen. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't always been easy for me, and it ain't easy now if you want to know the truth. But God is the one who's speaking. We're talking about obedience here. We're talking about being obedient to what he wants us to do. Man, Lord, I can't speak for you because I've got some physical limitations. Moses was essentially saying the same thing that Jeremiah was saying. Lord, surely there's someone who's a better choice to speak for you. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I don't know enough to speak to, to people who are twice my age. Man, I don't have enough education. I had not been to school enough. I haven't learned enough. I haven't studied the Bible. I haven't memorized enough Old Testament scriptures to be able to talk to all these people you want me to go speak to. And it's going to be a little difficult. And they ain't going to want to hear it. They're going to know more than I do. I don't have enough knowledge to talk to these people. Friends, let me ask you this. Do we try to give God excuses when he wants us to serve him? Do we hesitate or are we reluctant to be obedient to what he wants us to do? 
And you think about it because God's asking us to do things all the time. Feed my sheep. Serve my people. Bring somebody to the church. Invite somebody to the church. Tell somebody about Jesus. Show them God's unconditional love. These are all things he's asking to do. Or do we accept his will for our lives and respond the way he wants us to respond? Let's look at this. Jeremiah hesitated when he was confronted with God's will for his life. You think about it. We respond when God calls our life in Christian ministry. We got that same choice. And we can do the same thing. Many times we're just like Jeremiah and Moses when we're faced with God's will for our life. We're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about what we're able to do. And this is the phrase here, what am I able to do? you got to think about that. That's the difference. What can I do? We're thinking about ourselves. We're paying attention to how we look or what people are going to say, what people are saying about us, how they're talking about us, what they're saying about us. We're focused on ourselves and what we can't get past our self-consciousness. Lord, I know you formed me. I know you created me. I know you know all my imperfections, but surely there's somebody else that can do it. I've got a really good excuse. I've got a really good excuse. I've got to be here. I've got to be there. I've got a really good excuse. To know God's will for our lives, we must go beyond these excuses. We need to move beyond the eyes from ourselves and focus on God. True enough, let me tell you something. We can't do it. Amen? We can't do it. Whatever he's asking us to do, we can't do it. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes God to do it. He needs to do it through us, and he wants to do it through us. We're not called to be our own missionaries. And we're not called to be our own missionary service. We're not called to share our own message. God calls us for his service. We're called to be his instrument. The role that he gives us when he is behind us, when God is leading us, man, we're invincible. We're unstoppable. Those are strong words, right? When God is behind it, because God is sovereign, God knows all things, God is in all places, God has the power to do anything he wants to do. And when he's using you as a tool and instrument through his mission, you are unstoppable. Satan can't touch you. Nothing can stop you. You're unstoppable. You're invincible as long as God is in charge. We can achieve goals that are essentially unreachable with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be faithful in God's service, and that's what he wants us to do. Y'all know it's summertime? And it's hot up here. Are y'all hot down there? I need building grounds to cut the air conditioner on. Or Tyler to use his app and cut it up for me. Church, the success, success in doing God's will rests in God alone. It doesn't rest in our church. It doesn't rest in us. It rests in God alone. He's the one who gets the credit, and he's the one that does it, not the people. It's his plan, it's his purpose, and it's his will. We simply are, we're simply to be obedient to what he asks us to do, okay? And when we take this perspective, when we look at this perspective, it's, it's all about God. It's not about me. He's just asking me to do something for him. And when you look at that perspective, that takes all the stress out of it. That takes all the pressure off of it. Because the thing is, God's not asking you to do something on his behalf. And if it doesn't work out, he's not saying, all right, Kerry, I want you to do this for me. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to hold you accountable for it. You better do a good job so that you make sure you get it across. If you don't do a good job, if you don't do what I tell you to do in the exact way I'm telling you, you know, it's, I'm going to hold you accountable. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to do this for me. I want you to stand for me. I want you to speak for me. I want you to tell people about me. And if they don't respond, it has nothing to do with you. It's all about me. And you think about it. When you share the gospel with somebody that's a non-believer and they don't change to be a believer... And you feel, well, I must not have did a very good job. I must not have been very convincing, so to speak. Well, they're dealing with the Holy Spirit, not you. 
The power of the Holy Spirit is dealing with a person. We can't change anybody. All we're charged to do is share the gospel. The Holy Spirit works on that person's life. It works on that person's heart. Whether that person accepts the power of the Holy Spirit and accepts Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, it's between them. It's between them and the Holy Spirit. It's not us. God's word is never contrary to God's will. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That's an awesome thing. Your word is a lamp on my feet and a light on my path. You think about it. I have a very hard time seeing in the dark. Y'all didn't notice that? I have a hard time seeing in the dark. I have to have a light to be able to see at night. I mean, some of you people have really good eyesight. And you can see in the dark. Things are good for you. I have to have a light to do anything. When I was working in, in the medical field, I had a headlamp. Man, that illuminated everything I could see because I have a hard time seeing in the dark. Basically, I can't do anything in the dark without a light. Let me tell you something. I cannot function a single minute without the light of Jesus Christ shining on my feet and illuminating my path. Amen? I can't do anything. Man, he has to light my path day and night for me to be able to function, to be able to follow the plan for he has for my life. When you're searching for God's will, I'm going to share a few things with you. I want you to look at subjects that are closest to the area of your need, whether it's marriage, suffering, money, work, whatever you're dealing with, anything else. Get some biblical resources and study God's word in all of these situations. You say, well, I've got the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible is the main resource for studying God's Word. But there's other areas that can help you. There's other resources. I don't just study the Bible. I study a lot of different things to read God's Word, to understand God's Word, because I want to know exactly what God is saying to me. You know, when deacons are ordained, we give them a study Bible, not just a Bible. You know, I, I tell people, you need a study Bible. You need a, a resource. You need at least one good commentary. Somebody that's really good. And I'm not talking about just general. I'm talking about a good commentary. Something that helps you understand. But the Bible is still the main source. And every book that you use that supports uh, anything that you read needs to come from the Bible as its basis as well. But you need other books to help you as well. As you do this, stay alert and take notes. Man, journal in it. When you're looking at it, journal. Write things down. Write down the precepts. Write down the truths that you see in it. Write down the things that come to your attention. Take the same attitude every time the Word of God is opened. And every time God's Word is opened, whether it's in church, whether it's in a devotional, take that same attitude and just, just a few notes. Let me tell you something. Pam puts a blank piece of paper in every bulletin. No excuse, right, Pam? A blank piece of paper. I've got thousands of them at the house because that's where I take them and store them up in one spot. Just journal something down. I mean, when you think about it, those are things that are important, all right? Whether, whether it's your small groups or a private devotions or whatever, the word is the lamp of my feet and the light of my past. Jeremiah hesitated as he looked at the work that God had placed before him. And he looked ahead. He said, man, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. So he hesitated because of the wickedness that was in the world of where he was going to have to go, who he was going to have to talk to. You know, the things he was going to have to say were going to be difficult for him. Jeremiah was certain that he wasn't the man for the job. When it comes to serving the Lord, let's look at this, there's a sense that nobody's adequate. I mean, when you think about it, I'm not worthy to stand before uh, any of you. I'm not worthy to stand in God's pulpit. It's only the fact that he provides that, that worthiness. When it comes to serving the Lord, there's a sense that where none of us are adequate. The Apostle Paul asked this question in 2 Corinthians 2.16 as he pondered on his responsibility of ministry. As he's thinking about it, he's thinking, I'm not worthy either. And he says this in 2 Corinthians, and who is sufficient for these things? What person is sufficient to speak for God Almighty? 
Man, who is sufficient? Then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and he answers his own question. He says this, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is in who? God. Our sufficiency is in God Almighty, the one who provides, the one who, who takes care of. When God calls us to do something for him, he's not making a mistake. We should not hesitate, okay? We should not refuse to obey what he wants us to do. One thing for us to know is that we all have weaknesses, but it's quite another thing to say that my weakness is going to prevent God from fulfilling his mission in my life. That's completely different because we all have weakness. We all have struggles. We all have things that cause us a little handicap, so to speak. But God will use it. Man, we all have spiritual gifts. This church comes together. It all has spiritual gifts. It's all together. God does not save us, call us, or use us for his service because we're deserving. He calls us because it's his wisdom, it's his mission, and his plan, and he chooses us. It's grace from start to finish. Let's look at this. The Apostle Paul writes this, But by grace of God, I am what I am. It's all because God loves you. It's all because of his grace that we're able to do what he wants us to do. God gave Jeremiah three basic instructions. Listen to this. Go where I send you, speak what I tell you to speak, and don't be afraid of talking to anybody because you're speaking on my behalf. You think about it, Old Testament. Let's move into the New Testament. What did Jesus say on the same thing? We look at Matthew 28. Jesus said some of the same things. Go to all nations and teach and preach and tell them about the sacrifice that I've made for them. Tell them about God's unconditional love. Do the things that I've told you to do. And remember this. What do you say? And I will be with you in always. So you've got to understand that, that God's walking every step of the way with you. When he's asked you to do something, he's not saying, go do this. I'll be here when you get back. He's saying, go do this, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. And you know, God totes us half the time, but he goes with us every step of the way. Jeremiah was called the weep, weeping prophet, wasn't he, William? Called the weeping prophet, and he was, but he always was a courageous man and faced many dangers and trials, and he remained true to the Lord. He knew that the Lord was with him, and that's how he got through everything that he got through, just as we should know that the Lord is with us. For Jesus himself said this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always. Friends, let me tell you something. There's no greater love than God's unconditional love for us. I mean, he loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. He offers heaven as a free gift. I mean, we don't earn it. We didn't earn it. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he's offered heaven as a free gift. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest passive scripture in all the Bible. God loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice for us so that we would live through him and have salvation through his name. Ephesians 2.8 says this. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Man is a sinner and can't save himself. Man, we needed a savior. I tell you that every week, but you, I want you to pay attention to that because you're sharing this with somebody else. And we needed a Savior. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God, and we can't get to him because of sin. He can't get to us because of sin. He had to, to solve that problem, and he solved it by sending Jesus Christ to be the, the sacrifice on the cross in my place and in your place. He went to the rugged cross for us so we'd have salvation and eternal life. Romans 10, 13 says this, 
Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, whoever's a key word in that passage of Scripture. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past has looked like or what you're thinking about. It says in the Bible, you call on the name of the Lord. He is just, and he'll forgive you, and he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And eternity is too long to be wrong. We're either going to spend eternity in heaven with Christ and God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, or we're going to spend eternity completely separated from him in hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to clear that up today. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, I'll be down front. I'd love to share more with you about him. Our deacons are down here. They'll be ready to pray with you. This, whatever the issue is, you, this is for you. This time is set aside for you. The altar is open for you to pray if you want to bring something to the altar. If you've got something that's heavy on your heart and you want to lay it at the feet of Jesus, this is the time to do it. I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you if you need prayer. Uh, our deacons would love to pray with you as well. Whatever the decision is, whatever the time is, this is just for you. This time is a, is a time where there's no looking around. It's just you and the Father. It's a vertical time together. Just, just concentrating on God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and let him move in this time. Father God, I come before you this, this morning. God, just thanking you for the promises that are in your word. God, thanking you for the fact that you chose us. God, that we didn't have to choose you. We choose to follow you, God, but you chose us to be your children. And God, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the fact that, God, you loved us so much, God, that you sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross in my place and in every person's place on this planet. Father, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they turn their life over to you. Father, I ask for, for you to bless in this time of invitation. God, allow the Holy Spirit just to move among us. God, just help us to tune every single thing out for this very moment. God, that it's just a, a time that we going to reflect and talk with you this morning. God, I thank you and we love you. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.